Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our New Has Come sermon series. This series explores our identity as a follower of Jesus, how our old selves have left and the new has come. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Well, good morning again. It's good to be here on this uh, Sunday, and it's good to have a little bit of uh, cooler weather than after this hot weather this week. We're in the last uh, message in this series called New Has Come, and we've been focusing on this theme verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, that's one we're challenging people to memorize. We'll talk about that a little, again a little bit later. But, but this series has dealt with the fact that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we become new people. And that becomes our identity, that we are new people in Jesus Christ. Now, on the video that you just watched, you saw some of the labels that other people give us, uh, negative labels. But we need to understand that those negative labels, they're not our identity. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have an identity, and it's how God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit see us. And we need to walk in that identity and understand that's who we are and live out of that. So we're going to look at this last message this morning, but in preparation, would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into this place, Lord, we ask that you would just guide us and direct us, that as we open your word, you would speak to us, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, and that we would not be the same as when we came in here. Lord, I pray that you would just do something mighty in our lives. In your name, amen. Have you ever stopped to think about what your legacy will be in life? What will live on after you are gone? Will it be, uh, will you leave the world a better place? Think about your legacy. You know, maybe you'll bring forth a new idea that will revolutionize society and the lives that we live. Maybe you'll uh, build something that generations will look at with awe and wonder for years. Maybe you'll raise a child who will be go on to change the world. Maybe, maybe you will change the eternal destinies of someone or others by sharing your faith in Jesus Christ with them. Now, I suspect some of you find a question like that a, a little daunting, and others of you find it exciting. But many of us sort of are left with a question about how can I make a difference that will last when I don't feel like I have what it takes to make a difference? How can I make a difference that will last when I don't feel I have what it takes to make a difference? We're going to try to answer that question today. Uh, we weren't here, my wife and I weren't here last weekend. It was, we celebrated my son's graduation for, from Duke Divinity School, and it featured one of the professors at, of the speaker, uh, as the speaker, Dr. J. Cameron Carter, professor of theology. And, and what he said, I thought, was so powerful. It was so honestly inspiring to this, this group of men and women, several hundred of them, who were being conferred upon with uh, degrees, master's degrees in divinity, master's in theology, and, and doctorates in divinity, and doctorates in theology and philosophy. But, but what he said 
to me was so powerful and it's really become the bones for this message today because it, it was so powerful now he wasn't talking about our identity in Christ but I saw immediately how what he shared in those points deal with our identity so this morning I'm going to show us how each one of us in this room is equipped to go out and change the world, and none of us, just as he was saying, need a uh, master's degree or a doctorate degree to do that. We're going to talk about uh, our identity. Now, I'm going to start with uh, some words from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. I'm going to read about the first 12 verses, so if you want to open a Bible or, or if you just want to watch on the screen, you can do that. But, but here we go. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up onto the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover a feast of the Jews was near. So Jesus lifted up his eyes, and, he, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that they may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the people sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. What a powerful story. If we're going to serve God, if we're going to change the world, if we're going to serve people and minister to others in the name of Jesus, we have to be equipped. I want to make the case today that that unknown child, that lad in the story, that he was fully equipped to change the world. And if he was, you and I can be fully equipped and change the world also. Now, this equipping has very little to do with your education, with your intelligence, with your skills, with your gifts, but it has everything to do with your identity. I'm talking about who you belong to, not your mom and your dad, but I'm talking about who your eternal father is, who, who your heavenly father is, that you belong to him. So I'm going to make three points this morning. Here's the first one. To be equipped, you have to be in the right place. You have to be in the right place. You know, it's interesting to note that in the chapter before this, Jesus was in Jerusalem. But now he has moved north, and he's crossed the Sea of Galilee that seems to be in the air, and he seems to be in the area of Tiberias. Uh, while he was there, he healed people, and people wanted to see those miracles, and so they started following him. And, and when Jesus realized there were a lot of people there, 
he decided that he wanted to feed them. Now, he understood what he was going to do. The disciples didn't understand what he was going to do. And so, um, remember, it says there were 5,000 men. So that's not counting the women and children there. But they know, we know at least there were 5,000 there. And he asked this question. Where shall we buy bread that they may eat? Now, this is a crisis for the disciples. They don't have that bread with them, and they don't have the money to buy that. And in fact, uh, one of the disciples tells us that, you know, 200 denarii wouldn't be enough so that everybody could have a, just a, a bite to eat. Now, 200 denarii was uh, about half a year's wages. And, and so he's asking this question because Jesus knows what he's going to do. Remember, we have that aside in verse 6 that says, He said this to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he wanted to do. That he wanted to test his disciples. Maybe he wanted to test them to see if they understood that they were equipped and had everything they needed. Maybe Jesus wanted to test to see if they understood whose they were, what they, who, where they had their identity. Now, what happens next? was not expected. Uh, the disciple Andrew apparently is approached by this young lad who must have overheard the conversation because it seems that he offers what he has with him. The scripture says he had, he had five loaves and two fish. That doesn't translate well into the English. You know, when you think of loaves, you think of, you know, a loaf of bread, you know, like a big baguette or a, or a loaf. Let's think more like biscuits. Um, biscuits that aren't fresh and fluffy and hot, but biscuits that are old and dry and crusty and probably hard to bite. And when you think of fish, you know, you don't think of your favorite fish meal. And, you know, don't even think of a can of tuna. Don't even think of sardines because to preserve food back then, they dried it. So it was probably too dried sardines with fin and tail and head and eyes. Not real appetizing, is it? But this boy offers what he has. Here's the most important thing you read about that statement, and I'll go back to it. In verse 9, it says, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. The most important word in that statement is here. He stepped forward and he said, I'm here. He was in the right place. And what's the right place? The right place is where Jesus is. When you're walking with Jesus, you're in the right place. When you're walking with Jesus, you're in the right place. But to be equipped, you have to be in the right place. You have to walk with Jesus. You have to walk where he walks. You have to, at many times, you have to go through life recognizing that Jesus is with you. He's promised to be with you, but sometimes we ignore that he's with us. Sometimes we don't cry out to him and lean on him when we're going through difficult times. And honestly, sometimes when we're going through good times, we forget him completely. But scripture says, Jesus promised that he will be with us always, so he's with us. And that is the right place for us to be, to recognize that Jesus is with us. To be equipped, to be equipped as a son, as a daughter of God, we need to recognize that Jesus is with us and we need to walk with him consciously. 
interesting that this was a challenging time for the disciples, and they didn't know what to do. But this young child did, and he knew that he wanted to be next to Jesus, and so he said, here I am. This is what I have. Now, some of us like to run from a crisis. I don't know if that's what some of the disciples were thinking, but obviously we're saying, we cannot feed these people. We don't have, we don't have the food, and we don't have the money to buy the food. Uh, you know, they were going to say, how are we going to get out of this? But Jesus knew what he was going to do. It wasn't a crisis for Jesus. Now, I think about this. I don't know about you, but sometimes when uh, times are tough, when I'm going through a difficult time, the last thing I want to do is stay and sit in that difficult time. But here's the thing that we need to know, that Jesus will be with us through the good times and through the difficult times. And in the difficult times, we don't need to run from that. We just need to recognize that we need to be with Jesus even more. I find it very interesting uh, just to, to help us understand a little bit about where he actually was. He was in the area of Tiberias. It's on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. In 2009, I, I went to Tiberias. I went to Jerusalem, and, and I, I toured Israel. And the first night, we stayed in Tiberias. Now, it had been a long flight to get there, and I sort of had jet lag on the opposite side. In other words, I was wide awake at about midnight or 1 in the morning. And so I, I left my hotel room, and I went out and walked the streets of Tiberias for a little while. And I need to be honest with you, it was sort of spooky. I mean, it just felt a, a little odd and creepy, and, and, and I don't really know what to make out of that. It may have been jet lag, but it may have been something else. What we know by studying about Tiberias is that it was a city that was built by the Roman emperors. And the Roman emperor who decided to build on it decided on the location no matter what. And as they were building it, they discovered a cemetery, but they continued to build the city over the cemetery. And because of that, uh, the Jews in the area would not go and live there. And uh, because if they did live there, it would make them ceremonially uh, unclean and they would have to go through the purification rites. So they wouldn't live there because there was a cemetery. So the Roman emperor basically had to compel people to live there by force. Some of them he forced to live there. Some of them he, he incentivized by giving them land and, and homes. And, and so today, uh, Tiberius continues to exist and it's a very modern city. But there was something weird about it that people didn't want to be there. But Jesus didn't care. He went there because he knew these people needed to know God and have a relationship with God. He walked into that crisis. He wasn't afraid of it. And as this crisis evolved with the food, which he knew was going to happen, he wasn't afraid of it. And this child of all people was not afraid. We need to understand that when we walk with Jesus... When we're with him, we have what we need as sons and daughters of God to be able to do what he calls us to do. We need to understand that with Jesus, we're in the right place. Now, we don't know anything about that, that lad, that boy. But there was something about him that stands out. He knew that he needed to be with Jesus. And so when he overheard they needed some food, he offered what he had. He was in the right place. To be equipped, you have to be in the right place, and the right place is with Jesus. 
also to be equipped, you have to have the right stuff. Now, some of you are thinking, you mean I have to have uh, five barley loaves and, and uh, two fish? No, you know, you know that's not what I'm talking about. You have to have the right stuff. Now, think about this. You know, uh, we've established that they were biscuits. They were established that they were probably dried sardines. Think about a Happy Meal box. It would have all fit in a Happy Meal box or smaller. So, so there was nothing great about what this young boy had, but what he understood is while he didn't have the right quantity and he didn't have the best quality, he gave it all to Jesus. That's the right stuff. When we recognize that all that we have, regardless of the quality or the quantity, when we give it to Jesus, he's going to use it. It's the right stuff then, then and only then. It wasn't perfect, but Jesus used it for his glory. Now, some of you are saying, well, I could never do things for Jesus because I don't have the right stuff. And again, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on what the talents, the skills, the mental abilities, the, uh, the degrees that you have, instead of focusing on the one who wants to use you for his kingdom purposes, who wants to release you and equip you to do what he wants to do in this world. So, you, you know, the reality is this. If you wait till you've got it all together, if you wait till the time when you think you've learned enough, you've grown enough, you've been good enough, You've missed the, the whole purpose because you'll never be good enough, know enough. But Jesus wants to use you where you are. He wants to work in you. He wants to equip you, to release you, to do amazing things in his kingdom. But you have to let him. You have to recognize that when you turn everything that you have, your life, your gifts, your talents, your skills, whether they're great or small, you have the right stuff when it's in Jesus' hands, and he will do things through you. You know, it's funny. I have conversations with people about where they are in their spiritual walk with God, and some people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough to uh, do things for Jesus. Really? Or I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not ready to get baptized yet because, uh, you know, I, I'm not good enough. Really? If we waited till we were good enough, who would get baptized? Who would do anything for God? You see, we have the focus on us instead of the focus on Him and recognizing that, that we have the right stuff when we let Jesus, when we let God work in our lives with what He's given us. The verse that I've challenged us to memorize during this series, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. To be in Christ means that you believe in him. If you believe in Jesus, your old person, your, your old sinful self, you've let go of that and you've been forgiven. You're a new person with a new identity as God's beloved and loved child. God's beloved daughter, God's beloved son. That is your identity. And when you're with him, 
you're in the right place. And when you turn your life over to him and let him work through you, you have the right stuff. You are equipped. Like that lad who didn't have the perfect amount of fish or the perfect quality of fish, he said, God, I'm going to let you use it. Jesus, I'm going to let you use it. And when he did, God did something miraculous. You know, it's interesting when you study uh, this scripture in commentary, some commentators want to explain away the miracle. Well, they say the generosity of the boy made the other people in the crowd generous, and that's how the food was multiplied, not by a miracle of God. But the miracle of God can't be explained away. Jesus did something miraculous. But it started with some unnamed boy who said, here's all I have. And it became the right stuff in the hands of Jesus. And Jesus did a miracle. So you have to be in the right place. You have to have the right stuff. And to be equipped, you have to do the right thing. Now, that statement is misleading. To be equipped, you have to do the right thing. Because the right thing to do is not some special bit of knowledge that you need to know or need to do. The right thing to do is exactly what that child did. He placed all he had in the hands of Jesus. He placed all he had in the hands of Jesus. In our identity as a follower of Jesus, as his son, as his daughter, we have all that we need to do the right things. We just need to entrust it to his care. The Apostle Paul understood this. In the book of Philippians, he writes this. He says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He's talking about Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You and I understand that whatever God calls us to do, regardless of how big it is, we can do it because Christ will give us the strength that we need. So what we do, whatever we do, we recognize that he gives us the strength. You see, I, b I believe God calls all of us, his sons and his daughters, to be part of his kingdom work, to, to bring love and mercy and justice into this world and to be, to be messengers of it in our words and in the way we live our lives. And I believe that God calls all of us now, I know some of you sometimes may struggle with what's God calling you to do. So let me unpack that a little bit. The first thing is this. I, I believe that God has a general calling on everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, that we're all called to be a part of his kingdom, all part of fulfilling his kingdom calling to spread his love and his mercy and his grace to the world so people will come into a relationship with him, that we're all called to do that. Now, I also believe that we have specific callings. And I believe that God reveals that to us as we grow in our faith and as we grow in our obedience. He reveals that to us. In fact, if, you're, if you struggle with sometimes going, well, I know God calls people to do things, but I don't know what he's calling me. Here's what I would tell you to do. Just focus on the general calling that God has for all Christ followers. To love him, to love others, and to be messengers of his mercy and grace in this world. And as you focus on doing that, trust that he will reveal his specific calling to you. I know many people that that's how they discern their calling. 
that as they have sought to be a faithful follower of Christ, in the midst of that, they began to realize that God had something specific for them to do, that he gave them a passion and a calling for, and so they pursued that. But the reality is this. We all have this general calling of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and we need to walk in that, recognizing that we're fully equipped to do that because of Jesus in our life, that he will empower us. You you know, if we sat down and and talked one-on-one, I could tell you story after story about the things that I didn't think I could do. And I said, God, I'm not strong enough to do this. You have to do it through me. To be candid, oftentimes on a Sunday morning before I get up to speak and say, God, I can't do this, and you need to do it. I can also tell you stories about when I thought I had the sermon nailed, and it flopped. You know why? Because I was dependent on Clark and not dependent on God. So we need to recognize that we have a a general calling on all of us, and God has equipped us through the power of his Holy Spirit that he sends to us through the Son and through himself. And he wants to work in us. Now, I know some of us get paralyzed when we sort of focus on that calling. Don't Don't get paralyzed. Just recognize that you've been called to follow him. Recognize that you've been equipped by God, that you're in the right place, that you have the right stuff, and that you can do the right thing, not in your own strength, but in Christ's strength. That's so powerful that we all understand that. Let me sort of wrap this up for us. Isn't it interesting to consider this young lad in the history of the scriptures? Who was he? We don't know. What else did he do? We don't know. Does he show up again in scripture? We don't think so. But what's his legacy? What's his legacy? Over 2,000 years from the day that he gave his five loaves and his two fish, we're still talking about him. We're still talking about him. Why? Because he realized that because he believed in this Messiah named Jesus that he was in the right place and that he had the right stuff by just saying, here I am, use whatever's mine. And that he could do the right things because he was turning them over, turning his life over to Jesus. He's no different than me or you. We need to understand that our identity is in Christ. And God has a call on each of our lives to be messengers who live out by the things we do and the words we say, the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to empower us to do this. And we're not alone. And he can do those things through us. We need to walk in the truth of our identity. That we're fully equipped by God, not by some other person, by God. So we need to have courage to do that. I want to challenge each one of you to meditate and think on this, think on that this week, to to understand that your identity is in Christ and that He wants to work in you and through you, that He wants to let you say to Him, God, I want to be in the right place with you. 
And uh, I want to have the right stuff, so I'm turning everything over to you and let you use it. And I want to do the right thing, which I want to let you work through me. And when you do that, he's going to do amazing things. He's going to create a legacy in your life. He's going to move, and you're going to see it. But it also requires for us to be open and willing and say, God, I want to live in my identity. I want to walk in my identity as a son, as a daughter of Jesus. I want to pray over you this morning. So I'm going to invite you just to stand up, and then we're going to move into a song. But, but as we stand, I want to just encourage you just to, to have a posture of openness. And that would be just to, to turn your hands over and open and, and uh, be willing to say, God, I, I want what you want for me. I want to walk in my identity as a daughter, as a son. Have your will and way in my life. So let me pray over us. Lord, with our hands open, with our hands open, Lord, we say we want what you want for us. Lord, we want to walk in our identity as beloved children, daughters and sons. And we want to recognize that when we walk through this life with you, we're in the right place. And when we turn our lives over to you, you take what we have and it's the right stuff. And Lord, when you work through us, it's doing the right things. And so we want to walk in that identity. So Lord, we say speak and give us ears to hear. Lord, we know what your general will is. And so as we walk in that general will, let us be faithful and obedient to you. And Lord, reveal to us even more of what you want for our lives through what you've done already. So Lord, we open our hearts and our minds to you. And we say, have your way. Live in us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's put that verse back up. It says, if our God is for us. I want us to read this together, okay? I want you to just let it sink in, okay? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? Look, your identity is, is in Jesus Christ, and nothing and no one can stand against you as you walk in your identity, as you do God's will, as you fulfill the calling that he has for you. So I want to challenge you to, to, when you leave here today, to walk forward in that identity, knowing that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength as he's called you to do. This morning's a special day, too, because we've had a, a couple of young people that are going out this summer on mission trips. I'm going to invite Ian Bell to come forward. We prayed for Jalen Perry earlier this morning, and I want to invite you to even come up now and, and gather around Ian, because as we close out the service, we want to pray that, that God will work through Ian as he goes down to Costa Rica. So anybody wants to come and lay hands on Ian, and we're going to have you stand right here, Ian. We can gather around him, and we're going to pray over him, and then we're going to release us. Look, when I release you, I encourage you to go out to the cafe, connect with one another. I, I do want to say this before we pray for Ian. Uh, we have a special way that we're trying to reach out and bless the community on Memorial Day weekend on that Monday. We're looking for folks from different towns to go out and hand out uh, flags on Memorial Day and say, God bless you, and wear your Valley Brook t-shirt. So I want to encourage you to go to that table in the cafe. And that's a way where you can step out and walk 
in your identity on that great day. So go out and check out that table as you go out. Now let's pray for Ian. Lord, we thank you for Ian. We thank you for his faith. We thank you that he's taken on him this call to go and serve others in Costa Rica. So, Lord, we ask that you would bless him, that he would go in the power and the might and the strength of the Holy Spirit, that he would be the hands and feet of Jesus, Lord, that you would work through him and in him to do amazing things. And, Lord, that we would hear stories of how you've touched people through his ministry. So, Lord, bless him, empower him, And, Lord, help him do what you call him to do. And, Lord, we look forward to when he returns and hear all the great stories. So we pray this over him in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.